Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about sex and unhealthy sexual shame, this is a topic that we discussed in episode 13 with Mrs. Pam Costa. And in this episode, we're just going to focus more on interventions and tools that you can use to start your journey of healing. Because based on my experience, there are so much, there's so many feelings of shame and negativity that we internalize because of the messages that we got from our society and families and our religious organizations. So it's really important for us to kind of be curious about those messages and also be mindful of the techniques and things that you can do to change this internal dialogue and point of view. Our guest today is Mrs. Erica Miley. She's a sex positive mental health therapist. Her focus is creating a space for her clients to explore complex sexual issues. Her focus is non-monogamous and monogamous relationships, as well as being kink-friendly. She also specializes in eating issues, specifically bariatric surgery clients. She's starting her own podcast called Sex Exclamation Point. Also, I just wanted to share with you guys that if you like listening to my podcast, she, as, as I was thinking about her podcast, please give me an honest review on iTunes and will help us to reach a broader audience. Anyhow, here's my conversation with Mrs. Erica Miley. 
Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited, as I mentioned you in the introduction, to have Erica Miley with us today. Erica, welcome to our show. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited too because I know I was a guest in her uh, in her show, upcoming show, a few days ago. We did the recording. And one thing is just so fascinating. We started our uh, journey of wanting to start a sex podcast a few mm-hmm. few months ago together. And it was just so wonderful. And we instantly bonded. So I'm so yes. glad that she is launching her podcast next month. Is that right? February 4th. I am so excited. I cannot wait. It's just next like few weeks, guys. You guys need to check it out. She has the most brilliant ideas about the topics for her podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Naz. I just, I just love you. So, you know. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about sexuality and shame. That is a topic that Erica has lots of experience supporting her clients to going to work through this difficult issue and challenge. So Erica, tell us what, why some of us experience so much shame around our sexuality. I think generally, and you and I have definitely talked about this before, and I, I talk about this all, all the time with my clients, that as a culture, we've created this, this shame around sex and how we talk about it, how kids are educated about it. When parents, I, I can't tell you how many clients of mine that are parents that come to me and say, how do I talk to my children about sex? What on earth do I say? I don't feel like I had enough education. I don't feel like I know when to say what. And they get very much in their heads about it. And they very much, you know, get freaked out, right? And get wrapped up in their own shame and their own shame about their bodies or their own sexual issues rather than just meeting their children where they are, right? So I'll, oftentimes what I focus on is, with my clients is de-shaming, right? So de-stigmatizing whatever they have, whatever their their sexual needs are, trying to just meet them where they are and help them understand that, that what they like is what they like and that's okay. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing CFT, which is compassion-focused therapy, and I, I specifically gear that towards their sexual issues. So I, I put sex therapy and CFT together and make a happy little marriage. And um, so specifically, I, I look at the, the three circles, and we'll go more into that here in a second, but kind of that's, that's where I begin with a lot of my clients. Yeah, it's just so fascinating because as you were talking about, I see shame all the time. And yeah. part of it, because as a culture, we don't talk about things and especially parents. I mean, I my parents, they were not necessarily sex negative, but because we didn't have good conversation around sexuality, I assume that they're sex negative. And I think just not talking about it with your kids. That's mm-hmm. challenging. So I'm curious to hear more about the three circles. Share, share that with us. That What does that entail? Absolutely. So, and I think what you said about your parents is very, very, that's so common, I feel. I, I had the other side, and it's funny, my mother likes to tease me because any question I ever had about sex, she was willing to answer. She oh, was so always, cool. always, always willing. And she, I always tell her like, I'm this way now because of you. And she's like, don't put this on me. I didn't think you'd take it this far. <laughs> I <laughs> like, love that. Oh, thanks, 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 <laughs> uh, but so for the three circles, 
I the the three circles of CFT. So this is CFT is not sex specific. So I'm kind of marrying these two things, like I said before. But the three circles are the drive system, the soothing system, and the threat system. The soothing system is also known as the safe system. So each of the systems have their purpose. So CFT came from Paul Gilbert. He 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 very much believes in an evolutionary model that human beings switch between these three systems to manage their emotions. And each system is associated with different parts of our brain, right? And different parts of our brain chem chemistry. And the imbalance of these systems is pretty much what, what causes some of the issues that we face. And I think that's where a lot of shame comes from. So specifically with the drive system, that is the purpose of the drive system is to motivate us towards resources. So the things that kind of go in there, go within that drive system is wanting, pursuing. So sex would fall under that drive system, right? It's focused, that system. The soothing system is the safe system. So it's this is how we manage distress. It promotes bonding. It We can feel safe, right? So, you know, the safe system. The threat system. So this is how we detect threat. This All of these systems serve a purpose. Specifically, the threat system helps us understand, like, Oh, there's a cheetah in the room. I, I need to react to that. I need to run, play dead, or freeze, right? I, I need to do something to be able to alleviate this threat. So we have this, that, that, that part of our brain is the amygdala, right? That old part of the brain that is that shuts all of our other systems down so that we can either fight or flight or freeze, right? So when, when you're experiencing the threat system, you're not doing anything else. You're not pooping. You're not having sex. You're not doing any of those things. So the thing is, we are, yes, we are these evolved beings, but we also still respond to situations as if we were back on the savannah, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to teach your body that it's safe and be able to do that specifically within sex and within relationships is the key. So when we're tackling shame, we're doing that at the same time. How do you make yourself feel safe? How do you make yourself feel like, I think when you and I were talking about the erotic blueprint, we talked a lot about like, what do you like and how do you engage with those things? Mm -hmm. I feel that safeness is part of that. Being able to teach your body that it's safe, teach, teach your entire your whole physiology, because when we're afraid, when we're anxious, when we're anger, when we're disgusted, we're not, we're not, we're not being our best sexual self. We're not engaging in sex the way that we would want to. Right. And just so fascinating that you're talking about when we are in the threat system. It's just we're not going to necessarily feel desire or excitement for most people. And it sounds like it's just like many people kind of feel like after like having this like horrible threatening day or like in you know, a stressful day there will they will be able to kind of like turn their mind and have this amazing sex i mean people are different and sometimes it's possible but for most people it sounds like we need to be in more like a like safer context and emotionally feel safer in order to feel aroused right exactly like how, what does it take for a person to feel safe? And it's it's different for all of us. When we're treating other things, when we're treating other issues like uh, trauma issues, or 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 when someone is very uh, has a lot of anxiety, we're trying to help them placate the system. They're trying to teach this threat system, like, hey, you don't have to be on all the time. 
it's not helpful to you to be on all the time. It's that that's when things and that's what Paul Gilbert's belief is that that's when we have troubles is when we overgeneralize one system. So when we use that threat system all of the time, how many times have we seen somebody who's been like sexually assaulted or, or, or something like that. And when they have a sexual encounter or when they're trying to build a relationship, they have a lot of anxiety or even, you know, trauma triggers because of it. So how do you help yourself feel safe again to be able to live your best sexual life? Right. And part of it, when you were talking about this, I was thinking about like big T trauma and little bit trauma and people like a little T trauma because people who like who they had like some experiences like sexual assault, things that are Mm -hmm. like child abuse, you know, they have at times like this hyperactive sense of like being in threatening situation and kind of being hyper vigilant about things. And so Mm -hmm. from what I'm hearing that you're mentioning that like we need to kind of suit the system in order to turn on the sexual part of us. Yes. And to be, to be able to at least so that you can come at it. And, and sometimes it's, uh, it's with the help of the therapist, right. To, to be able to help you say, okay, uh, this person has a lot of compassion for me. They can sit with whatever I'm going to throw at them and they're going to sit in the shit with me and we're going to get through it. Just sometimes just based on the relationship that they have with a therapist, they can actually reduce some of that anxiety and engage in some of that safe system. I mean, we've I've definitely with clients helped we've used uh, breathing techniques and meditation specifically to be able to access that safe system, teach their body, hey, when when it's appropriate to use the threat system because we're never going to get rid of the threat system it serves a good purpose for us when you see the cheetah you need to be able to respond right right (laughs) but but it's not helpful when you're with your significant other and you do want to have sex with that person and you're feeling feelings of threat Right. And as you were talking about like working with a therapist, I think it's a really good option for many people because at times we internalize this negative self-image of ourselves that we are bad, we are defective. And Mm -hmm. it's just like no matter how many like cheerleading uh, statements you read or trying to change things, the deeper change needs to come with a deeper work. Correct. Right. Like this Oftentimes, how many times have we seen folks that just come into our office and they say, I like this thing sexually and no one else could possibly. Right. They have that, 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 that thought that they are the only person in the world. And that anxiety, that, that disgust they may even have with themselves, not necessarily, it, it, none of those things are helpful to them or helpful to their relationships. But just being able to talk to someone like us and going, hey, you're not alone, one. And two, you, you, this thing that you like, actually a lot of people like. Right, right. <laughs> I just That's interesting that you say that because we had this conversation a few days ago for your podcast that how mm-hmm. people think like when their sexuality is like a little bit different than what's portrayed in uh, media on vanilla sex, it's mm-hmm. just they get scared. They think, oh, my God, I'm defective. Maybe I'm a pervert. What's wrong with me? And then they yes. get paralyzed. Yes. And it's this. That's when they jump right into that threat system, right? Like, I can't I can't do anything. I can't have this relationship. I can't have this thing because 
I must be the only one. I couldn't ever, I couldn't ever be, I'm not normal when they realize, when they start to realize that normal is not really a thing. Right, right. <laughs> I, I just, I, I love when my clients come into my office and say, I just want to be normal. And I just smile at them and they're like, oh, that's what we're going to work on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, yeah, yeah, that's where we're going to start. <laughs> right, right. I love that. That's just such an important thing. And you know, at time, I feel as a therapist, we can feel when shame is in the room. How do you see like sexual shame in your clients? So what is it like? So if a third person, the partner kind of wonder, is this the shame that's getting in the way? What are some of the signs? Sometimes when I, I I think of um, I think of my clients and when they when they come into the office they think they they get very concerned about first when they first meet me and I'm sure that you've experienced this too they're like can can this person handle what I'm about to tell them mm-hmm. so they get very they they get kind of scared you know about oh I'm going to say this per- thing to a person for the first time and I actually don't know this person very well. So being, that's one of those first signs, that fear, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I don't know. And, and I usually have to look at them and say, I promise you, whatever you're about to share with me, more than likely, not going to shock me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's what you're about to say is, is I, I can tell that this, this, is, this is awful for you to keep inside so let's put it on. Let's put it on the floor in the room. Let's work on it. Let's look at it together as a big picture. And usually that starts to kind of open the door. Sometimes I'll see it as anger, or sometimes it'll be disgust. That's one of the things that makes me, I think, just as a clinician, the most sad when I see someone who is disgusted with themselves. Mm-hmm. That seems to be one of the emotions that is a harder hurdle to get across. Right. Right. And it's just. So it's so important to then share it with someone that's like compassionate and curious like yourself, because, you know, unfortunately, we are living in a society that's just like so sex negative and mm-hmm. people at times have this such a negative reaction to people's diverse sexual expressions. So, for example, I have clients that they are into fetishes, different fetishes, and yes. they share that with their partner and without knowing them, without emotionally feeling safe. And at times the reaction of the partner kind of like scar them for years. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that oftentimes we we look for those like key words from the client to kind of help us like, Oh, okay, let me see this, what this big picture is. And oftentimes it is that first, the fear of being able to say, I have this thing that I like to do sexually, or it can even be about relationship, how they like to have relationships. I work with a lot of polyamorous folks who, who have relationship troubles too and need help with that, but they get afraid because of the, the, how the experiences they've had when they've talked to people about that before. So that, Finding that place, finding that compassionate place like you were talking about, that that place to hold space for whatever it is, whether it's a kink, whether it's how your relationship works, being able to do that. And uh, I feel like we're right now, we're like an infomercial infomercial for sex therapy. Um, (laughs) 
But hey, you know, we like what we do. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> I, that's good that you have awareness. I was totally lost that, oh, we're on that track. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to sell all the sex therapy. I want all everybody in therapy all the time. Right, including myself. I've been in therapy for years. So I'm I'm a consumer and a producer of this I service. I agree. Like I feel like some it's funny it's funny because I've definitely met I've definitely and I'm not bashing therapists here at all. Um I've definitely met therapists who are like, oh no, I I'm not in therapy. I'm like, how are you not in therapy all the time? I'm in therapy all the time. Right. As much as I can be. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is that it is this thing that we're talking about, shedding light on shame you have or things you've heard or or just trying to we're all just trying to get through the day. Right. That's that's one of the things I love about CFT and act therapy does this, too. That idea that we come from suffering, that we all have suffering and that it is how we deal with that suffering is it that is how, how we can either get hung up in our lives or we can live a, a really good life, right? We can live the best life, the life that we were meant to live. And how how do you step back from suffering? Can you can you step back from it? Can you I, one of my favorite um the cognitive diffusion techniques that Ash uh, uses right. is is the the river when you picture uh. those thoughts as leaves on the river and they're passing you by. I, I, when I work with folks on some of like, if they have a, uh, if they have a kink that they, they're, they have shame around or um, whatever the case may be, that's one of those, the cognitive diffusion techniques I, I use with them. Like, Hey, you can try out this thing. See if it works for you. See if you can manage how you are experiencing your thoughts and rather than just continuing to beat yourself over the head with shame. Because shame ultimately is not functional for us, right? It's not helpful to us. Right, right. And I love the acceptance and commitment therapy act techniques that you were talking about and like working with shame. One other thing I really like from act, what I, when I, what I use with my clients is like singing it to the silly yes. <laughs> <laughs> because we all have this like incorrect uh, stories about things we're feeling shameful about. And, yeah. and like, I love it that you can like the idea is like to sing it in a happy birthday with a silly song. So whatever yeah. you feel shameful, you can sing it in the car or you can sing it like wherever you are. And I love that. I think that's also a powerful tool. I oh I completely agree. I love those. I love the silly ones. The one making things that you feel ashamed of, or like you have that thought that you can't defuse, right? That you you can't uh, get get a handle on turning it into something silly. I like the what was it uh, the the monsters on the bus. Can you or, say more about that to our listeners that they're not familiar with? Because I feel like we love it so much, but yes. not many people are familiar with that. Yes. Yeah, so. Like cognitive diffusion techniques are tech. So the belief from ACT and ACT there, we could be here for 10 hours talking about ACT, but ACT, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy comes from a basis that we can become fused to thoughts, kind of similar to CBT, that thinking errors idea, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get fused to a thought, the idea is that you need to defuse from that thought, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to step back, step away without judgment and letting these thoughts pass and using these different techniques, cognitive diffusion techniques to be able to do that, create the distance, create space and 
my the monsters on the bus one, I really like that one because you're the driver of the bus. So this is one of those techniques. You pretend that you the, your thoughts in your head are are monsters on a bus and you're the driver of the bus. You're in charge. Mm-hmm. So you get to decide who you listen to. Right. The other one I really like is um, the uh, thoughts as bullies. Uh-huh. So, so you actually use colorful language. I like colorful language, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> my, client, my clients like to make fun of me because I like the F word so much. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but literally responding to your thoughts, your negative thoughts, those, those, those shame thoughts as if they are bullies. Mm-hmm. So say you have this, this shameful thought about a kink. Uh, we'll just use an example, like uh, you, you like furries, whatever, whatever that is, right? Whatever you, whatever kink you like, and you have this negative thought that they're going to think I'm a freak. They're going to think I'm a freak. They're going to think I'm a freak. So it's that circular thought process, right? So engaging that thought process directly and calling that thought as a bully, like it is, because those thoughts, they're, you would never, ever say those thoughts to a person. If it was your friend, you would never, ever speak to them that way. So why would it be okay for you to speak to yourself that way? Right. So coming back at those thoughts as if those thoughts are liberal bullies, using fun language while you do that. <laughs> I love that. That is just such a good way of kind of like A, labeling them as what they are and B, kind yes. of like unhooking because I feel like we all, as I was talking about, we all have this narrative, the stories about ourselves and just like when they pop up, they we get engaged and hooked and kind of yes. go through this like very dark path with them. But like if we're calling them bullies as they are and using F4 and whatever it is, it just helps us to disengage, which I love. Yes, disconnect from those those negative, unhelpful thoughts that we have. And that we, for whatever reason, we like to sit in our mush pot and, and sit there as if it, it, that is where we were meant to be. Right, right. right. <laughs> when in reality, we're not meant to sit in our own mush pot. We're, we're meant to be able to dis, dis, like, disconnect from those thoughts and say, you know what, those thoughts are not me. My right. thoughts are not me. Right. And I think one thing we t- were talking about, which was very helpful, that how you can work with a wonderful like expert therapist to work through the shameful places. But mm-hmm. for people that they don't have access to that services or they feel they're not ready yet, what mm-hmm. kind of a recommendation do you have for them if they want to kind of start their journey of like pushing back those feelings of shame and kind of like retake charge on their sexual life again? Mm-hmm. This is, and my clients hate to hear this from me. They hate it. <laughs> but I, 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 I always ask them, um, how much are you exercising? How are you eating? How are you? And it doesn't necessarily mean like you're eating the best healthy way. Like, but how are you literally taking care of your body? Because right. if we're sitting, we're sitting and and only uh, Netflixing all the time, and right, we're not, right. we're not doing the things to take care of ourselves we can, those, those negative thoughts come in, at least for myself, uh, you know, I'll speak directly to myself, the things that I do for my own self-care before I even get to the therapy part, right, for myself, is exercise is a big one. I mean, there's a ton of research on what exercise can do for us and how it can give us those wonderful, positive, wonderful brain chemicals. Personally, I think that's that's where you begin, mm-hmm. is taking care of your physical body. And, and I also... 
would love if people started to pick up meditation on their own. (laughs) (laughs) Meditation is a really powerful tool. And it it is, there's tons and tons of research. You can Google uh, meditation and find free stuff on YouTube. You can, there's tons of resources out there for that. Because that meditation, even short bursts of meditation for regular amounts of time can help teach you to distance yourself from your own thoughts right. in a non-judgmental way. So I, I definitely, um, my clients hate to hear those things, but <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I have to take care of myself? I don't want to do that. Well, that's one of those things that we have to do if we want things to be different. Right, right. And you're so right. I think the first step is kind of reducing the vulnerabilities that we have. And yes. what I notice when there is a like, strong sense of shame, people feel they're not worthy of compassion toward themselves. They're not worthy of like taking care of themselves. And that's how they get stuck. But if yeah. you kind of take care of your body, like eating food that you feel it's uh, nurturing to you and exercising yeah. and doing kind of mindfulness practices or taking care of your illnesses, people kind yes. of like go on and on with this like chronic diseases that they have or number of different things because they feel they're not worthy and they're not addressing those, which just kind of gets in the way of them leaving the best version of themselves yeah and i just those those basic very very basic physical caretaking things like getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. oh my gosh we are a culture of sleep deprived sleep deprived people um whether where it's coming from you know we can debate all day but we spend a lot of time in front of screens we spend a lot of time numbing Right. And and all of us, every single one of us, and I don't mean to like bash Netflix or any of those things because I do that my fair share, (laughs) but that we have to look at what is our behavior? What is the purpose of our behavior? What are we doing things for? Why do we do specific things? Our behavior always means something. We don't do things just because there's always typically a reason for it. And when we numb, we're numbing for some reason. We're numbing to create distance from something, some from someone, from some experience. So being able to start identifying, why are you numbing? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, ironic as we were talking about sleep. I, I look at the image of myself on computer. I was like drinking coffee. <laughs> so we all at times struggle and I I hear you with that and I think one other thing is just really courageous to kind of acknowledge the feeling of shame and sit sit it sit with it and kind of process it because it's easy to numb as you were talking about it like you know it's easy to kind of pour our pain into drinking using substances and all of those things and the challenge with shame is when it is like a it's a powerful emotion. And unless you're dressing it, it's just going to come back up. So you might get some relief for like a couple of hours and it's just come resurface. And as long as you're not uh, dressing it, it can get, you can get stuck. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that the thing that many of us therapists deal with our clients. And I think that we as people just deal with that generally is this feeling of stuckness. This, I feel like I'm the only person that deals with this. I feel like, 
you get wrapped up in your own thoughts and you listen to your own thoughts more than you get that perspective checking that we all need. And uh, I think that's that's where a lot of that that shame starts to bubble up from, right? Because guilt guilt helps us. The 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 sense of guilt um, can help us change behavior, but shame is not helpful to us. Right. Right. And one of the few years ago, I went to this uh, workshop that David Burns, who was doing on shame. And mm. like, it's interesting that he said, like, you know, whatever you feeling shameful about with the shame that you're having it kind of like kind of the exposure therapy kind of doing it. So mm-hmm. one woman, she was like kind of feeling very ashamed of asking for things because she she was feeling she wasn't worthy of like asking. And it was funny. He said, just like, go then to a rental car place and say, I want a car. I don't have money. Like you're going to the end location and asking that. Because when we are sometimes when we're doing this, we feel shameful about even exposure to those things can be helpful with reducing the feeling of shame. I don't know how much that would be impactful for sexuality and sex related stuff because Mm -hmm. of how. Because of how collectively, as a culture, we yes. are at times sex negative. And you might kind of like out yourself, like I'm talking about things that you feel shameful with someone that's not safe, and you might get re-traumatized. Right. I, I, think, you're, I think you're onto something there. I think with, like, I think of the things that I've done with clients who had something specific, like a kink. That's typically what, you know, when someone comes into my office and they've got quite a bit of shame around something specific, it's usually a kink. And... They, we, we start somewhere easy, right? We start somewhere that we start with a low level because sometimes when folks come in and tell me that I have this kink that I, that, that I'm ashamed of, I can't tell anybody about it. The first people they're talking about telling is like their parents. And I'm like, why, (laughs) (laughs) why are you, you do not need to tell your parents that you like shoes. You just sexually, you don't have to tell them that they don't need that information. Right. So let's start with a romantic partner. Right, right. (laughs) That you know and trust, but you're so right because then there's an issue around boundaries and I don't want to know about my parents having sex as an adult woman. I'm sure I hope they're having it, but I don't want to hear about it. So I hear you on that. Yeah, so helping them, it almost like the, the baby steps of, of un, and doing a, a combination of that exposure therapy, right? So, okay, you, you have this kink. Is there a forum, mm-hmm. like on the internet, big surprise, the internet has everything, right? Right. Uh, is there a forum of other people that share this thing that you like so that you can understand that you're not alone in this? Right. That, that, that this life has lots of people that like the same thing as you. So just being able to take small steps to slowly reduce the shame you have about it. Um, oftentimes uh, I get uh, couples who come in and they, they reach a, they reach an impasse about what they can talk about sexually. Right. So it's, it's almost as if like they, they hit this wall, like they're both, both their shame hits each other like thunderclouds. Right? Oh. Like, and so being able to help a couple or a relationship understand that they are their safest place. Right. right? So that, that they can find reestablish that trust in one another, understand that 
they that information that they can share between them is protected mm-hmm. and they feel cared for. So that comes back to that safe system, right? That they within their relationship can create that safety between each other so that they can then explore some of that that they can pursue one another, right? They can pursue those things sexually that both of them are very interested in doing. Right. And again, I I love talking to you and we can go on for hours. (laughs) But I just want to make sure we have enough time to talk about your podcast, your private practice. So Erica, how can our listeners find you? Oh, awesome. I'm I'm so excited to start this podcast. So the podcast is called uh, Sex, the podcast. It's got an exclamation point, so it's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about everything related to sex. We're going to talk to experts, obviously, like Naz. She's going to be on the show. It's great. Uh, But we're also, we're going to talk to lots of people and their personal experience of sex. Uh, We're actually going to do an entire episode. It's funny we mentioned parents. We're going to talk, do an entire episode on what it's like to catch your parents. Oh my God. I had some horrible (laughs) like memories of that, but I'm I'm looking forward to check that out. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to trauma trigger everyone. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about all things sex. And uh, so I'm also, uh, I'm in private practice. I am, I take clients in Washington state. And eventually I'll be also licensed in the state of Florida. So that that's coming. But the thing that I'm going to be doing here pretty quick is I'm actually going to be the other, my other specialty is eating disorders and um, body image. So I'm starting a group February uh, 28th. So I'll be, um, I'm going to be putting out some uh, applications for people to fill out. We're going to be doing uh, a group called body, body dysmorphia is a bitch. Oh, I love the name. <laughs> So we're going to we're going to try to break down some body shame issues and things like that. So I even even though it's in the realm of body image, I think body image is directly related to sex and how how we exist in the world. So um, that's all the things. So uh, my website is ericamiley.com, E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y.com. And you can you can contact me there or uh, my email address is Erica at EricaMiley.com. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, if you have, didn't get a chance to write it down, you can find it in show notes. Erica, thank you so much for your time and your wis- sharing your wisdom with us and your uh, wonderful, cheerful spirit. So I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I appreciate you, Naz. Have a great day. Bye. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Erica. It's always a treat for me when I talk to Erica, when I interview her, when we do consultation together, because she's she's such a wonderful person and I'm impressed by breadth and depth of her experience. One of the things I wanted to share with you guys at the end of this podcast is that as many of you guys know, I'm crazy about Persian New Year. That's only one thing in my culture that I'm always looking forward to. And it's just around the corner. So because I love Persian New Year, I decided to provide this special offer for my listeners only for first two weeks of Persian New Year, which is on March 20th. So for a limited time, I'm opening few of my online video counseling appointments on Fridays. So my private practice is already full, but I wanted to expand and increase my engagement with my listeners as well. So I'm opening only few hours on Fridays. 
the reason it's video counseling is because I do uh, lots of teaching. I go to conferences. So Fridays are the time that I usually travel. But when I do video counseling, I don't need to be in my office. So I'll do it usually at the conference rooms or at the hotel rooms. And if you're thinking about starting therapy with me or there's an issue you want to get consultation about, this would be your opportunity to significantly reduce fee compared to my private practice fee. So my private practice fee at the time of this recording is $200 for 15 minutes. But for those limited appointment times, I reduce it to $130 because I want to be able to offer it to a broader audience. All right. So check out the show notes. You find a link to those appointments. And I hope I'll get to see you in our uh, video sessions. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.